So, long story short from Beth, only strange can stop strange. The one. <laughs> I feel like I have to keep saying it because if someone comes in halfway through the episode, they're like, who the fuck is Beth? <laughs> what did what did <laughs> Welcome to the Marvelous Madams Podcast. We're your hosts, Madam Chris. And I'm Madam Amy. We are burdened with the glorious purpose of talking all things Marvel. Madams, assemble. So, Amy, I learned something from this episode of uh, What If. What did you learn? Doctor Strange is actually Italian. Sorcerer Armani. <laughs> I think he had a bit too much playtime in D&D. Well, I think it's a good thing he wasn't wearing Hugo Boss because we already did the Nazi episode. So there we go. <laughs> so obviously we are discussing episode four of What If Today. What If? Doctor Strange lost his heart and not his hands. Mm-hmm. I quite like this episode. I loved it. I thought this was as visually stunning an animation as the movie was in 2016 on the big screen. Yeah, that's true. It was a beautiful episode. And I think Doctor Strange had more heart in this episode. He did. He was a better version of himself, a better man who actually deserved to be with Christine Palmer. Uh, debatable. I think this version of him did. Because remember, there's the good one. There's the good Doctor Strange, too. So that goodness was in him. And I think the fact that they were still together in this universe shows that he wasn't the complete dick he was in the movie because Christine had left his ass. Yes, true. But I'm also wondering how much of it is Doctor Strange being an unreliable narrator. That's not really an issue for me because we've already seen different universes, you know? True. So there are some yes. changes. There are some tweaks. And like I said, her still being with him sealed it for me. Mm-hmm. That he's a softer, kinder person. More human. Definitely. Yeah. And as far as things go physically, man, they nailed those granite cheekbones, didn't they? <laughs> You know, actually, for a minute, I was a bit confused at the beginning of the episode because for me, you know, now Doctor Strange is with the goatee and all of that. And here he's and he came out with his tux and no goatee. I was a bit confused. I was like, is that a chauffeur? (laughs) Doctor Strange would be very unhappy with me if he heard me say that. Yeah. I'm not sure why they gave him the five o'clock shadow, but okay. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen Benedict Cumberbatch with any kind of facial hair, aside from the fake one in Doctor Strange. No, and there's a good reason for that, everyone. If you haven't seen it, go Google Benedict Cumberbatch in quarantine right now with a beard so you can have a good laugh. (laughs) Because there's a leprechaun inside of that man. I really enjoyed the writing. I teared up a couple of times. Rachel McAdams did a fantastic job for what little she had to do here. She was the heart of it for me. Yeah, she did. She did a very good job. 
I do wish we could have seen more of her because even in the movie itself, we hardly get to see her or get to know her. I agree. Yes. And we will definitely discuss that when we do cover Doctor Strange. As much as I love the movie, that's my one huge problem with it is Rachel McAdams is just criminally underused. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny. Prior to today, for me, EDS has always stood for uh, Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, which I live with every day. But now it's evil Dr. Strange. (laughs) All right. So shall we dive right into the show? Absolutely. So we kind of split the difference here in terms of where we start in this episode. It's we have Stephen Strange, where he was in the movie heading to an awards banquet with the difference being he and Christine are still together and she is his date for the evening. Yes. And I do like that in this episode, we get a succinct retelling of the movie in five minutes. Yes. Yeah. We got the same thing with Captain Carter. I agree. That's a real specialty of Marvel is quick, solid exposition. Yeah, so quickly we go through the entire movie and all the major plot points that happen in the movie gets covered here. The only biggest difference is that Strange's motivation is not for his hands, it's to bring back Christine. Yes, I do have to mention though, and it's Christine who brings it up, I would pay an unreasonable amount of money to see Benedict Cumberbatch be a contestant on The Price is Right. (laughs) just cold i don't want him to know what it is i don't want him to have ever seen it i just want to see him show up there with no clue and be thrown into that that would be amazing television that sounds very painful and i would feel very sorry for him (laughs) so i thought this was a really good fake out actually on the accident did we have that fake out in the movie was he also creamed from behind i don't remember I don't remember either. It's been a while. It's been like two and a half years since I've seen Doctor Strange. Yeah, I don't think I've seen it in a while either. But I don't remember if there was a fake out. Maybe. I'm not sure. But it was well done. And it's crazy how even with animation, they made me queasy about that cliffside road, just like in the movie. Yeah. You know, I have to say the biggest tragedy of this movie is not the universe... Oh, here we go. <laughs> it's not the universe just disappearing. It's not Christine dying umpteenth times that we saw. That was that was terrible, yes. But the biggest tragedy was the cars. The cars kept getting destroyed. And that's a really <laughs> nice car. Leave it to you. I mean, strange, if you knew that the car's going to crash afterwards in that montage of things happening over and over again you could have at least changed it for a better more secure less flashy car you know well what we come to see is it doesn't matter what he's driving it doesn't matter what he does that night it will always end in christine's death yeah but at least he'd save the car i'm sorry what were we talking about before about being more human (laughs) what was that i am human i have my flaws Uh (laughs) uh-huh So I think A.C. Bradley here with this writing gives such a great commentary on a few things. 
And the first being this idea of trauma leading us to seek answers in ways we've never sought before from places we've never sought before. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people can look back on their lives a couple of moments that caused a shift. And from that point on, everything was different. Yeah, there are certain defining moments in your life. And it's up to us how we interpret those moments and how we take action after said moment. Yes. And what I really like too is that in this universe, some things don't change. Wong is still a loyal friend and he's still the adult in the room. Speaking of him, they got him really well. They did. They could have just taken Benedict Wong and just put in a posterized effect on him and it would have been perfect. This is him. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they did a good job with Cumberbatch too. Yeah, I think they did. I think the the goatee was important. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, they did a they did a good job with everyone. Yeah, and this Groundhog Day sequence that we get here, it's rough. It is. This had me tearing up a little bit. And it also made me think of what Mobius said at the TVA. It has to happen this way. That's mm-hmm. the way it was. That's the way it is. And that's the way it will be. And that's exactly what Loki wanted to fight against. Mm-hmm. So he was able to change his timeline in some way. But in this case, Dr. Strange was not able to, no matter how much he tried. Yes. And that is because, as the Ancient One tells him, Christine's death is an absolute point in time. And that mm-hmm. cannot be changed. So with this, we have some monkey's paw in here, pet cemetery, the idea of what wouldn't we do to bring back someone we love? Mm -hmm. It's an understandable impulse if one has the power, especially when that power is said not to exist. Yeah. And also we need to remember that Dr. Strange is a doctor and doctors, a lot of doctors do tend to have that complex of, yes, we can save this person. It's one of the reasons why they get into medicine in the first place. Mm-hmm. And let's not forget, Dr. Strange is quite an arrogant bastard in many ways. He simply can't take no for an answer. Well, he's a doctor, that part's implied. <laughs> I'm not bitter. And in terms of the other elements of the episode, so one big thing I noticed was how they play with light in this episode, and it really sets the mood for everything. Mm-hmm. And You combine that with this score, especially during this sequence. It's so cinematic. I really did feel like I was watching a movie. Yeah, the score was fantastic. And the light, it stands out more because of so many colors. And a lot of this episode happens in the dark, you know? So I think Doctor Strange lends itself perfectly to animation and being able to have all these beautiful colors. And it fits because we have an episode that is literally dealing with the light and dark versions of a person. Yeah, true. And, you know, the line that really got me here was Strange's last attempt with Christine. Aren't we allowed to be happy? Mm hmm. That cut. Yeah. So the Ancient One, voiced by uh, returning Tilda Swinton, shows up at this point because she sees that. Strange has reached his crossroads. 
Yeah. And may I just say that they managed to give the ancient one a lot more color in this episode? Her complexion. Yeah, Tilda Swinton doesn't have a lot of melanin. Yeah, so here she almost looks like a normal human being. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, I think she's fantastic, but... Oh, she is. She's a bit too translucent to be normal human. You leave my people alone. <laughs> you don't understand our plight. You have some color, at least. She's she's a different level. I only have that color because I have an autoimmune disease that gives me a rash on my face. So it gives you some color. <laughs> and plus the hair, you know, that helps. <laughs> For the ancient one, she didn't even have that as a crutch. Yeah, you can say it. Tilda Swinton looks like a vampire. It's fine, because she played one. I don't think they needed to use much makeup there, did they? No. Mm-hmm. No, they did not. Good to save on the budget. <laughs> yeah, but it, they make up for it in sunblock. <laughs> so it's up to the Ancient One to try to prevent Strange from going down a dark path because he's already started fucking around with time using the eye of Agamotto. Yeah. And she knew that he wasn't going to change his mind. So she pretends to fight with him. And what she's actually doing is splitting him into two beings and thus timelines. Mm -hmm. So the themes here are interesting too, because the ancient one tells him, The reason this is an absolute moment is because this is what sets you on the path to becoming the Sorcerer Supreme and protecting, saving the universe. Right. Her death is necessary. And it's the idea that something positive and wholly necessary, whether for your own good or for the greater good, can be born out of tragedy. Yeah, I agree that something positive can come out of a tragedy. But it is kind of heartless, not by the Sorcerer Supreme, just generally, to think that Christine was essentially a pawn for this guy to reach his full potential. And that's exactly what we saw at the TVA, too. Yeah, we did. But there it's a bit less sexist, because Loki was a pawn for the Avengers as a whole. Mm -hmm. And here we have a woman who was a pawn for a man to reach his full potential to give him that motivation and drive to become the Sorcerer Supreme. And how many times have we seen this happen in different shows and movies where it's the death or the kidnapping or something of a woman he loves that drives him to do whatever it is that he needs to do? Yeah, and you're right about that. In this case, I think we can look at it that way, and we can look at it another way. How so? So once the Ancient One did her thing, I found myself thinking, could we just listen to women more, please? If we all just listened to women a lot more often, the world would be a much better, safer place. That's you fair. Know? Mm-hmm. And as for Christine, one could argue... And there's no right or wrong on this, but the argument could be made that the reason Strange is a better man 
is because of her influence. She's clearly the better person. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I found myself thinking through the whole episode, oh, buddy, she would not want this. You're doing this for you. You're not doing this for her. And that's one of the points that we're supposed to see. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when we spoke with AC Bradley last week, she said she wanted to do an exploration of grief here. And there was nobody else in Strange's life who could have impacted him this deeply, you know? Yeah, which is fair. But I do see what you're saying. Yeah, that's fair. And I also think that for Strange, it morphed from getting Christine back to wanting to have the power to do what he wants to do. Like what you said, it wasn't about her. Mm -hmm. It was about what he wanted. It became a fixation, an obsession. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you've listened to our show for a while, you know that I am a major true crime nerd. So for all my fellow ghouls out there, we'll now have a word from the hosts of the Slay Queens podcast. Hello. Hi. That's Wayne. And that's Ashley. And we're the hosts of the Slay Queens podcast. The Slay Queens podcast is a true crime podcast dedicated to the discussion of indignities and injustices suffered by the LGBTQIA2S plus community. With a touch of humor and emphasis on the importance of equality and healthy coexistence, Ashley and I take a deep dive into the dark side of the rainbow. (laughs) That we do. (laughs) We are available to stream wherever you're listening to this podcast. So go out and slay queens. Just not each other. Just not each other. (laughs) So after the ancient one, you know, I really hate calling her that. I wish she just had a regular name. Like, I just want to call her, like, I don't know, Beth. (laughs) Why? It's just a mouthful. I already have to say Benedict Cumberbatch all the time. Can I just call her Beth? (laughs) You can call her Taz, the ancient. No, that went very wrong. Tao? Tao. You can call her Tao. Huh, I wonder if that was intentional. So once Beth splits Doctor Strange and do <laughs> The ancient one. We go with, shall we just call him evil Doctor Strange? Like, I don't know. I wouldn't call him evil. He's dark Doctor Strange. Uh, he's evil. Look at what he <sighs> did. He's the BBEG from D&D. It's not done with malicious intent, though. That's what I mean. He's not evil in his heart. Even the ancient one says the same thing. Misguided. Mm -hmm. Listen to Beth. She knows what she's (laughs) talking about. Okay. So B-M-E-G. No, B-B-M-G he is. Why is there a B? What's B? Big bad misguided guy. (laughs) All right, then. Normally, BBEG is big, bad, evil guy. So in this case, it's the big, bad, misguided guy. Okay, bad, strange, because that's just going to be too much. Bad, strange (laughs) ends up in an unknown place in this palace. See, now he sounds like a dog. Bad, strange. Sit. (laughs) (laughs) And this is when we meet Obang. Mm Mm-hmm. And interesting to note, he has two different colored eyes. Yes, yes. And also of note is that he may be fibbing here because in the comics, Obang is also known as Cagliostro. Mm-hmm. 
he is the guy who taught Dr. Doom the mystic arts. Interesting. Yeah, and there really was a Cagliostro in history, an yes. Italian way back when who's who was a uh, magical practitioner, magic with a K, Count Alessandro di Cagliostro. So he really was Italian. <laughs> maybe there is a connection with Sorcerer Armani. Maybe, and maybe that's why he gave him access to his library. The fellow Italians need to stick together. And I'm doing the hand <laughs> motion, even though I have never, ever been to Italy. I would also pay an unreasonable amount of money to uh, see Benedict Cumberbatch try to play an Italian. this is a very fun callback to uh mr doctor yes i think they have a clause that anytime they do doctor strange they need to play with the name yeah who wouldn't yeah it's a strange name yeah it's ridiculous (laughs) hell even the watcher had a nice pun at the beginning of the episode yeah (laughs) Puns for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> so Strange is seeking Cagliostro to teach him how to break this absolute point in time and either bring Christine back or just prevent her death from happening. Yeah. So he spends a lot of time in this library. Well, that's an understatement. <laughs> a lot of time in a library, that's like six hours you know without a lunch break he's in there for uh several centuries yeah that's true but he does learn a lot he's practically absorbing all of it you know just because the show is full of puns doesn't mean you have to be hey i like it don't you be (laughs) (laughs) yeah and he's had sustenance all this time too for sure yeah i mean Inhaling all of that would keep you satisfied. And you know what, Marvel? I didn't need the giant fucking bug, okay? I didn't need it. (laughs) I've seen Ant-Man several times now. Not necessary. Fucking enough with the bugs. Is it me or did it look like a bed bug? Stop. (laughs) You're the worst. So basically here what he's doing is that he's opened the D&D monster manual and he's just flipping through all of them one after the other. And once he's managed to inhale all these other monsters, he comes back to his nemesis, the tentacle monster. This sequence was very Lovecraftian for me, with the Call of Cthulhu and all of that. I think this episode shouldn't have been named What If Doctor Strange Lost His Heart, Not His Hands. It should have been what if H.P. Lovecraft worked for Marvel? I will take your word for it, as I have no idea what you're talking about. So when Strange finally comes out of this like obsessive stupor that he's in, he finds Obeng dying. Yeah. I must say, I did like that cape. Very stylish. I don't hmm. know why a bedbug was wearing it. <laughs> so in the comics, Cagliostro was immortal, but here we see Obeng saying, even in our world, Death is part of the plan. Yeah. So if Obeng was around for so long that Strange was in there for centuries, and finally after so many centuries this guy's dying, he was able to be immortal. It's finally he chose 
that this is it. This is his time now. Yeah, I think you're right. And we get another great line from him too. There is a fine line between devotion and illusion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this really comes down to moving on from trauma. We have here the bad Doctor Strange who refuses to move on, who just insists on being mired in his grief and his guilt, especially. And the other Doctor Strange who made the conscious effort to accept what is and move forward. Yeah, I think this is, had he not been separated, he probably would have been less sure of what he's doing. And by what he's doing, I'm talking about bad strange. Mm -hmm. It's the fact that because they got separated, that's why that obsession stayed and reached the point that he reached. Yes. Yeah, I agree. And it's also a metaphor for us as people. You know, we have that kind of conflict in ourselves whenever we go through anything in our lives. There's one part saying one thing and the other saying another. And it's up to us to choose which one we want to listen to and take action accordingly. In this case, because the ancient one separated them, they didn't have the option to choose. Interesting way of looking at it. Hmm. I think for her, though, she knew which part of him would win because we see the dark part of him win. And splitting him was the only way because at least it halves his power as we see and he's not capable of completely ripping apart the universe on his own dark strange that is and it gives the good strange at least a fighting chance yeah but in the end good strange did lose because of the power that bad strange was able to accumulate from the monster manual yeah yeah i mean for both of them him and the Ancient One, we see, like so many times with Marvel, they have a knack for pointing this out, that the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Strange is very reminiscent of Tony in that regard in this episode. How so? I can fix it. I can uh-huh. fix it. I can make it better. I can save the world. I can make everything fine. Whoops, murder bot. Yeah. Yep. Well, by comparison, that's pretty trivial. Strange managed to destroy the entire universe. Yeah. Stakes flew higher than just Earth. I mean, Ultron nearly took out the entire world. Yeah. And the other lesson that comes through in the story is, I think at least, you got to deal with your shit, people. Because bad things are going to happen if you don't. Yeah. Like Obang says, too, you end up living half a life. Mm Mm-hmm. If half of you is always stuck in the past, mired in guilt, trauma, whatever it is, then you're never going to make progress. Yeah, true. You can't move forward if you have a foot stuck. And man, this animation with reality breaking apart, it's like a mixture of the snap and like zombie ooze. It is so cool. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I was actually curious. I wanted to see if Strange was able to touch it. Like, was it a viscous sort of liquid or was it just nothing? Ew. I bet it's sticky. 
It looks sticky. And suddenly my co-host has become six years old. <laughs> it does look sticky. Yeah, I wanted to know what was the consistency of it. And I know it's not real. I know it's animation, but that's how good the animation was. Yeah. I was thinking about what it smelled like, too. It couldn't be good. Yeah, that would smell like tar. Tar. That's, yes, that's what I kept thinking of. Okay. Like old Looney Tunes. So at this point, Beth returns. The ancient to one. Warn, <laughs> to warn the good Doctor Strange about bad Doctor Strange. Yeah, can we change him from Doctor Strange to just Strange? If Beth can be the ancient one. <laughs> so, so this is either very coincidental or Marvel's little trickery. Because this whole splitting of the timeline deal, hmm, this had me thinking of a trailer that just came out. <laughs> yeah, and even in said trailer, Wong was the sensible one. So mm-hmm. much so that he simply walked away in another portal. Yeah. And, you know, at this point, we know to never trust a Marvel trailer. But there are yeah. certain big things that we can trust. And one of them is Doctor Strange telling Peter Parker, the big problem right now is you trying to live two lives. That's a trailer line if I've ever heard one. Yeah, but can we really trust it? I think we can trust that from the trailer. I don't think we can trust that man who looks like Doctor Strange. (laughs) Maybe it's... BBMG strange. (laughs) Maybe. I think there's more than one. I'll leave it at that. If that is Doctor Strange, there's the strange we know. (sighs) Just fucking say it. And there's a strange that's a stranger. A stranger strange. Yeah. It's going to get really obnoxious in December. (laughs) Maybe it's an estranged strange. Oh, God. (laughs) I'm jumping out the window. That movie is going to take us back to WandaVision with all the conspiracy theories and all of that. (laughs) And, you know, talking about trauma, WandaVision (laughs) was one of them. I know. And I also know that there is going to be at least one credit scene that is going to give us all strokes. Yeah. That's Marvel's way. They love to kill their fans. Yep. Oh, speaking of conspiracy theories, when one of the monsters that Strange was inhaling, he kind of looked like Mephisto. Oh, you are on thin ice, Missy. <laughs> thin ice. There was there was a sequence he looked very devilly. I am not going to pull you out of the river. It's okay, I pulled myself out. I just had to say it. I just had to say it. <laughs> so, long story short from Beth, only strange can stop strange. The ancient one. <laughs> I feel like I have to keep saying it because if someone comes in halfway through the episode, they're like, who the fuck is that? <laughs> what it what, what? <laughs> So I really like this point too, because this, to me at least, was a theme of personal responsibility. You know, she's here to help to steer strange in the right direction but when it comes down to it 
a person has to get themselves out of the muck. They have to be willing to do it. They've got to climb out of it themselves. Yeah, no matter how much you want to help, if they don't want to help themselves, it's not going to matter. Yes. And this is kind of also reminiscent of the first episode of Loki, where where Mobius tells Loki he needs his help because they're hunting him. They're hunting another Loki variant. Good point. So luckily, Strange does want to do the right thing here. Yeah. The problem is, bad Doctor Strange is kind of counting on that. Because he wants to join their beings together in order to have enough power to break the absolute event. Yeah, and also he knows himself, right? He knows that if the Ancient One would tell him it's going to destroy the world, and since he knows that he's not quite as obsessed as Bad Strange was, he would want to do something to sabotage himself. Yeah, this version of Strange is definitely more self-aware than the one we know. Mm -hmm. Because he says to his dark half, this isn't love. And he's right. This is arrogance. This is our need to fix everything. Yeah. Makes you wonder how self-aware Strange from the movies is. But he doesn't let on. He just hides it under the bravado. Hmm. So the only choice here is to duke it out. And this is a great magic fight. It is. And I love the fact that the capes are fighting each other as well. (laughs) But yeah, it was a cool fight. Lots of good effects. But clearly, good strange was not powerful enough for bad strange. Yeah, sometimes darkness wins. Mm -hmm. We see that in our lives all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So he manages to bring Christine back, but of course it backfires. It was always destined to. Mm-hmm. Spectacularly. Yeah, because he's a fucking monster. He is. Like, dude, you ate monsters. You literally <laughs> ate them. <laughs> yeah. And even when she comes back, he is a monster. She doesn't recognize him. No, and she's terrified, not only of him, but the fact that the world around her seems to be ripping apart. Yeah, from her perspective, it would seem like she's in hell. Yeah, yeah. She doesn't want this. No, nobody would ever want that. No. But it is what it is. And Strange tries to speak to the Watcher to try and help. What good are you, Watcher? What is the point of view? He's the watcher, not the helper. You know, you're kind of making me now picture him as a little glove. A little inflated glove like the hamburger helper guy. I don't know what that is. He's just as useful, so it fits. Okay. But he's surely pissed off. Yeah. Yeah. So Bad Doctor Strange realizes his mistake way, way too late here, buddy. Yeah. He has that regret almost immediately because a part of him didn't believe and didn't want to believe that this would happen. Yeah, and that's arrogance. And he wants to correct it instantly, but he can't. And the only thing saving him is essentially what looks a lot like the Hex from WandaVision. Yeah, yeah. And by the end of this, he is just broken down. I'm sorry. I am so 
so sorry. Nice job, Mr. Cumberbatch. Yeah. And we zoom out to nothingness. Yeah. And I'm wondering if this was a completely new universe, different from the other three episodes, or if it was part of one of those universes. It also had me, those vapors, like the ooze we're talking about with reality, was making me think of zombies too. So I'm wondering if the zombies play into this at all. We don't know. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think part of us desperately wants it to be connected in a way. But so far from everything we've heard, it seems like it's not connected, but then you can never trust Marvel. That's fine with me, genuinely. What it's doing, though, is making me pine even harder for Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. You've caught my money already, Marvel. Cool it. <laughs> what do you want from me? That and Spider-Man. They want you. They want complete and utter subjugation. There's a lot of places I could go with that. <laughs> I'll keep them to myself. Mm-hmm. Well, Marvel is PG-13, so... My brain is not. <laughs> so, with episode four wrapped up, there are a few people we want to mention this week. Speaking of subjugation, Angela, I will bring a Snickers and join you in kneeling before Loki when he comes to Earth. <sighs> yeah, of course you would. <laughs> you do a lot more than just kneel, wouldn't you? Yeah. 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 Moving I'm not proud on. of it, but yeah. <laughs> Elizabeth. Beth. Oh, fuck you, scared me. <laughs> you seriously startled me right now. Was it necessary for you to scream that loud? Yes. <laughs> I will not repeat your name. You know who you are. We feel your pain on original Thor's dyed beard and eyebrows and will never forgive Kenneth Prada. Katie. Coulson would definitely have fainted seeing Cap Shield, and in his defense, I might have also fainted if I knew Chris Evans was under there. I could make a joke, but I'm not gonna. <laughs> Ryan, thanks so much for the endorsement. We appreciate it. And Taylor, we're happy to know we weren't the only ones who missed all the Hank Pym clues leading up to the reveal in episode three. <laughs> there were clues? She's already forgotten our previous episode, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of previous episodes, guys, if you haven't yet listened to our interview with What If head writer AC Bradley, check it out. She is so intelligent and so damn funny. Her process for creating the show is really something special. Yeah, it was a blast speaking with her. And that concludes episode four. Thanks to all you madams for joining us today. I'm Madam Chris. And I'm Madam Amy. Join us next week for episode five of What If? No clue what's happening. Nope. I think the biggest Nexus event for us would be what if we knew what was happening? At this point, yeah, I think you're right. So while we all wait, if you want to share your thoughts on Doctor Strange, find us on Twitter and Instagram at Marvel Madams. And check out our website, themarvelousmadams.com, where Infinity Stones are girl's best friend. Oh, fuck you, Daniel Craig. Go away. <laughs> Where did that come from? The trailer for fucking No Time to Die is up on IMDb. Oh, cool.